Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right. Hey, it's been a good morning already, hasn't it? Yeah, I just, uh, I, I knew we were going to have special worship just based on the, the psalms that I was feeling like the Lord was leading me to. So we're going we're gonna to dive into the Word today, all right? And, and so this message, uh, two things are going to happen for you today. Uh, my, my goal and what's going to happen is that we're going to raise together as a church just our reverence, our awe for the Word of God this morning. You're going to feel it in the message. And then, um, secondly, if, you've, if any of you have felt powerless in the last few years in any area, and I, I would raise my hand, I have, whether it's you name the litany of issues, uh, you're going to walk away today feeling more powerful. If you've ever thought, like, I don't know what to do, I'm frustrated, but I don't know what to do, you're going to know what to do after this message. You have a privilege, an honor, a responsibility as a child of the king. So we're going to explore that in the scripture today, okay? Amen? So this, is, uh, this will either be you are powerful or the power of declaration today. So that'll be the, the message. So... Confession means when our words agree with his words. In the kingdom, it means when my words agree with the Lord's words. There's a confession. Proclamation is like a confession on steroids. That's when faith and the Holy Spirit and the unction of the Holy Spirit and the right timing are added to his words, his confession. And we get into the world of proclamation. And so if you would, open your Bible to Hebrews 3.1. And as you're doing that, I just want to give you a couple homework assignments today. I, um, I listened to Chris Valentin's message, his last message. Uh, so if you just go into the Bethel Reading app and go into the media and download messages, they can be wonderful and he talked about, uh, talked about, give me your ashes. There's no way uh, in the last two or three years there aren't, isn't something that's burnt or ashes in your life. There's something. And, and so this message is one that I think we as a church should listen to, specifically because he, he addressed Isaiah 61. And Isaiah 61 is the chapter of our church the vision of our church. So when any time a church father dresses our chapter, we're going to listen. Amen? Amen. So Isaiah, so Chris Valentin's message, if you'd listen to that. And I was really influenced um, in this message, probably more than most, by, a, by another message by Derek Prince. <laughs> Y'all know Derek Prince? He's kind of one of the great teachers of really my generation or even the generation before me. And, and so if you YouTube Derek Prince Proclamation, you'll, uh, if you want more from what this message is, 
you want a, just a different slant, go there. Amen? Okay. Hebrews 3.1, therefore, holy brothers and sisters. And let's stop there. If, um, if someone had brought the original scrolls, the very original psalm, uh, book of Psalms or the book of Hebrews, and we were just opening it up today, the original one, I think there would be a little extra awe or reverence. I know I would be, it feels special. It'd feel weighty. If the Lord Jesus just walked through that wall behind me, carrying the original scroll under his arm, we'd all be at the edge of our seat, wouldn't we? There would be an awe. There would be a reverence. There would be a weightiness. We would want to capture every word. We would want to feel the message. We would want to be the hundredfold return people. We would, I would feel it. And so, as we read the Word of God, I just want you to remind ourselves that this is the Word of God. And theologians can argue, oh, that should be there, that not should be there. I think God's big enough to have what he wanted there, there. So that just dismisses that whole question for me. I don't have to use up brain space. And so he says, so the word of God is, is speaking here. He's speaking through the writer. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters. So I want to see you as my holy brothers and sisters. There was a theme about how holy he was in their worship today, wasn't there? He's holy. And he calls you holy brothers and sisters, partakers of a heavenly calling. I'm starting to feel special already. You and I are partakers of a heavenly calling. We've been called. We've been chosen. Even it says before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, partakers of a heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. As you and I confess the word of God, we have a high priest who is hearing, who is listening, who is advocating before the Father. As we confess his word, Derek Prince made a really bold statement, and I'll repeat it with you, but he said, God's word spoken by his saints under the power of the Holy Spirit, carry the same weight as if God had said it himself. Wow. So that's a new statement to me. I'll let you ponder that, let you weigh that, let you consider that. But God's words 
spoken by his saints, his partakers of a divine calling, his people who carry the Holy Spirit within them, spoken in the right time under the unction of the Holy Spirit, carries the weight as if he said it. Feeling special? I'm feeling pretty special. So turn with me to Psalm 33, and we're going to read this out of the NASB 2020 version. So I, I do have a fear that my computer and my phone just go crazy when I'm trying to find a verse, and I think we're going to be okay here. So Psalms 33, and this is a beautiful verse. Uh, in our pre-service prayer, Blake was reminding us that the Psalms in, in the Exodus, in the, in the captivity, these were the books, the Psalms, the poems, the songs that they gathered that were comforting them while they were in captivity. And you'll see that, that theme of oppression or that getting out of oppression in some of the Psalms as we read them. But this one says in verse 1, Sing for joy in the Lord, you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. That's beautiful. The, the Bible is God's word, but there are places that are just beautiful in the literary language of it. It's the way it flows. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. We did that today, didn't we? They sing joy. They play skillfully up here. We sing with joy. We shout with joy. They play skillfully. We sing with joy. And you, do you feel them carry us like the first song? You know, people are just kind of coming in. People are kind of coming in. But it took us a song or so. But we got there. We got the dust off ourselves. We got seated. We got the words of God singing, kind of flowing over us. And then we hit something together as a community. They're working their tail off to get us there. We can get there faster even. It says in verse 3, sing to him a new song. There's only seven places in the Bible where it talks about that new song, that song of the heart, that spontaneous song. Sing to him a new song. And so one of my heart cries is that our church would be one that we have, all of us, can sing a new song on demand anytime. And you just have to get over fear of man. We were in the um, over 50. We had hosted our house a couple times ago, and five different men sang a new song. It was beautiful, wasn't it? You were one, right? <laughs> Me too. I mean, none of us were really great singers. But, you know, there's something that comes up. Tim, did you sing a new song? 
Yeah, you sang a new song that night. There, but there, there was, you hear someone's heart. And it just, so I just want you to, if you've never sung a new song, in the shower, in the car, in your bed, just sing a new song. Just get over our fear of man, that we could sing a new song anytime. My scariest new song moment was this. So the last time Bill Johnson was here, and we rented this big church, and there's seven or 800 people there, and my role that night was to receive the offering. And as I'm one minute before I'm about to receive the offering, I hear this voice that says, sing a new song in the offering. No background music, no tune, no stuff, nothing going through my head. And I went up there and gave it a shot and never found it. It, it was something. 800 people. My boss from work was there. He's a really good singer. And uh, he said... That was kind of rough. <laughs> and Bill's, Bill's assistant, Dr. Mike, he, you know, pe people in our culture look at it differently, like, you're trying. And you heard, you know, and he said, I really used to like you, now I love you. Two different responses, right? <laughs> really rough, and I love you. <laughs> but in our culture, uh, we celebrate trying and hearing his voice. So I don't have an ounce of cringe over that moment. In fact, I celebrate it, making a fool of myself in front of 800 people. But we sing a new song, verse 3. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. It doesn't say, I'm glad it doesn't say sing a new song skillfully. It says play skillfully. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Isn't that beautiful? We just... Selah means to pause. We just selah for a moment. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Our God and King spoke a word, and the heavens were made. And man in science is figuring out that the universe is still expanding with that original word. It's just going. By the breath of his mouth, all their lights. So let's go back to verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their lights. I love that literary. The breath of his mouth. He spoke a word, and the universe was made, and the lights, the sun, the moon, and stars by this breath. There's a revelation in that verse, too. The word of the Lord and his breath. The breath it implies his spirit. That, that, that word is his spirit, that Hebrew word, raka. Word and spirit. 
You know, we've all been, you know, if we become just all word people, we can be dry, we can be, we can be too rigid, we can be too tough, we can miss it. We become all spirit, we can be flaky, we can get off, we can miss it. By the word and by the spirit, the heavens and the lights were made. We talk about this, and I'm convinced in business you could, you could run your business by the book of Proverbs, by the word, and be successful. But if you added the Spirit, hearing his voice and running to obey, then it gets fun and exciting. By the word and by the Spirit. So that's how he created things. And he gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He puts this in the depths of the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And so we've lost the fear of the Lord. You hear Derek Prince preaching on this. And 20, 30 years ago, he's saying, man, we're losing the fear of the Lord. Well, 30 years later, we've really losing the fear of the Lord. Fear is one of those weird words. I, when I think of, I think in our culture, fear is like my car's running off the side about to go in the ditch and hit a tree. I'm fearful, right? Guy comes to my house with a gun. I'm fearful. But this kind of fear is more of a, a reverence, an awe, a weightiness. It, it's a... It's a holiness kind of fear. That's what he's referring to here. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is a, if you do a study on the fear of the Lord, it's powerful where it shows up. Proverbs 3, by humility and fear of the Lord are honor and riches and life. Pretty powerful promise. Humility and a reverence and keeping our awe. It talks about, uh, in Proverbs also, in chapter 6, verse 16, six things God hates a seventh that is an abomination. Like, that verse is a scary verse. It's in there, a shedding of innocent blood, telling of lies he hates, but the seventh is interesting. The seventh you wouldn't think would be worse than sharing, shedding innocent blood, but it is stirring strife among brothers. Wow. Six things he hates. The seventh is an abomination, stirring strife among brothers. I Googled my favorite preacher yesterday, and it went, pop, 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 bunch of brothers stirring strife. Almost every one. It's a man I know, a godly man. <laughs> Most Christ-like man I know, and it's just stirring strife, stirring strife. 
Not from non-believers, from believers. We don't want to have any part of that. Like, where's the reverence and the awe for his word? The fear of the Lord. I, I read those and I'm like, what are you doing? So we have to be careful with our posts and our, you know, when we're, we, I know we're frustrated by the way things are going. I hope today's message directs your energy in a way that changes things. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the, all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded it, stood firm. The Lord nullifies the plans of nations. He frustrates the plans of people. The plan of the Lord stands forever. The plan of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen from his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of mankind from his dwelling place. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. He's fashioning your heart. Heaven's rolling into your heart. He's trying to fashion. He's trying to conform us to the image of Christ. The king is not saved by a mighty, ar mighty armor. The king is not saved by a mighty armory. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why that's hard to say. The warrior is not rescued by strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it rescue anyone by its great strength. Have you felt small? <laughs> have you felt powerless? I have. Psalm 33, the word of the Lord is saying, the king is not saved by his mighty army. A warrior is not rescued by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. You just jumped to the head of the line. In my reading of that verse, you jumped over the king. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Feeling special? I want you to feel more powerful. On those who wait for his faithfulness to rescue their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine, our soul waits for the Lord. Strengthen yourself in the Lord, he says. Our buddy John Donaldson says, you know, if you're going to talk about strength in the Lord, how about wait, getting in the weight room, the W-A-I-T room? Good play on words, John. Get in the weight room. He is our help and our shield, for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your favor, Lord, be upon us. Can you say that with me? Let your favor, Lord, be upon us just as we have waited for you. Amen? So we're going to be a f an awesome, reverent, fearing people of his word.
and his, his spoken word, his rhema word, his word in the Bible. Amen? So Psalm 149, verse 1. Let's go to that one, please. Just going to read some word, Amen? One forty nine is the last second to last psalm. If you want more, I just kind of hit on one thirty nine early this morning. There's such beautiful language in there. It's about the presence, about being wrapped in the garment of his presence. Isn't that beautiful? This morning I was beginning to feel wrapped in the gar- garment of his presence as we worshiped him. So 149, verse 1, praise the Lord, sing a new song to the Lord. There it is again, two out of seven. I knew we were going to have good worship. If we have time, I just might put a mic under somebody's face and let them sing a new song. We used to do that in the school of ministry. It was one of my favorite nights. We just stick it under, stick it under their mouth and see what happens. You paid money for this. Praise the Lord. Sing a new song to the Lord. And his praise is in the congregation of the godly ones. This morning, his praise was in the congregation of the godly ones. We fulfilled this verse this morning. Israel shall be joyful in his maker. The sons of Zion shall rejoice in the king. They shall praise his name with dancing. There's dancing going on. I'm 65. I'm trying to dance. Come on, people. You, you Come with me. Let's go. Uh, you were. I know. They shall sing praises to him with a tambourine and the lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will glorify the lowly with salvation. There it is again. These so- I- Interesting, the songs of praise... And the call to worship in the midst of the end of these scriptures are about deliverance. The people in Exodus, they're in oppression. And the leader and God is through his word saying, keep your praise up, keep your praise up, keep your praise up. When you, when you see these old movies about the chain gang, you know, the the old guys in prison, and they're, they're, they're building a railroad or something, and the songs, the deep songs that come out of that, or the Negro spirituals, or jazz music. There's something in the oppression that brings rich music. They sell, the godly ones shall be Jubilant in glory, verse 5, they shall sing for joy in their beds. When's the last time we were singing on our beds for joy? If you've never done it, I invite you to do it. If it's been a while, go there. When's the last time you felt his presence, his tangible presence just fall on you in bed as you're meditating on him, thinking about him? reminiscing. Sometimes it's even an overflow of a service. Last time it happened to me, it was just an overflow. 
It was uh, an overflow of a service, the presence resting in our beds. When I'm really in tune with the Lord, I'm excited to go to bed because I feel like I may meet him there. And the high praises of God shall be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands. There it is again. The two-edged sword, the sword, we all know that is the word of God. Here it is, high praise and the sword in his hand. The word of God and the high praise in my mouth to execute, why? To execute vengeance on the nations. Whoa. Had a little shift there. We did a right turn. Why do I have the word of God in my hand and the praise of my king, the praises, the high praises of my God and king in my mouth and the sword of the Lord? You lowly. He's talked earlier, lowly of salvation. He's talking about the little ones, the powerless ones, the little guy. The ones who felt like, what's happening? What can I do? The high praises of God of being my sons and daughters. The word of God is going to be in their hand. And they will execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. They bind their kings with chains. What we bind gets bound in heaven. Bound on earth, bound in heaven. Loosed on earth. And the dignities with shackles of iron to execute against them judgment written. This is an hour for his godly ones. This is an honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So let's clarify this. Like we, it's not our job. It's not our job description, description to call out judgment, right? We know that in the Bible. Judge not. Matthew, uh, Jesus even said, hey, I'm not here to judge you. But it says my words, judge. The word of the Lord can bring judgment. And so we're not the ones to bring judgment. It's above our pay grade. It's not our job description. But there can be moments in your prayer time, in your intercession, where the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you are executing God's judgment with your words, with your prayers, in the moment that the Word of God matches the Holy Spirit. It's happening here. They shall sing for joy in their beds, two-edged sword in their hands. They execute vengeance on the nations, punishment of the peoples. I'm telling you, I read these verses and it says, my prayers are more powerful than I think. If I'll hear his voice, if I'll repeat his words in confession, in proclamation, I can bless the nations. I can bless things that need to change. I can, we can change things. Prayer changes things. 
You are more powerful than you think. He does not want us to be powerless. We are called to be powerful. That 85-year-old lady on her knees could be the most powerful person in this church. She can rock the nations. We're not powerless. God, throughout the Scriptures, he's called you partakers of a holy calling, sons of the day, daughters of light, my chosen ones, mighty people. He said, you confess my word with the power of the Holy Spirit. It changes things. You're powerful people. Not calling down judgment. That's not, don't hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. But, our wor- but his word, matched with the Holy Spirit, is a powerful proclamation. He's saying it. He's noticed you above the king. Hear me? Lydia and I were just talking about the power of proclamation. Uh, and 35 years ago, and we talked about this, sharing, me sharing her testimony this morning. And so 35 years ago, Lindy lost her voice. She was on the worship team at our church. And so we would go to ENT specialists. They can't find anything wrong. Go to second one. They can't find anything wrong. And a lady from our church, we were really new to the things of the Spirit. We were really, really uh, just very much at the beginning of our journey. A lady invited herself over. She was part of OM, and she was kind of pushy inviting herself over. And um, we had her over one night, and she had a word of knowledge about Lindy and some things about Masons and her family line and so we kind of walked through that prayer with her. And Lindy uh, grew up in a medical family. Brother's a doctor, two, two sisters are nurses, dad's a doctor. And there was a lot of doctor talk at the table every night. Death, destruction, dying, disease, you know, real healthy stuff. And... Somewhere, you know, in her spirit, there became a fear, like a fear of death. And uh, we might even call it a foreboding spirit. Like, and um, nothing she did wrong, you know. It wasn't some great sin. It's just there. And so through this journey of, of, being very new to things in the spirit, uh, we, we began, she began to get this Bible promise book on fear. And there were 10 or 12 verses. And so she began to proclaim, confess, proclaim God's word. And some days it was every hour. Trying to steal her voice, her joy. Her joy singing over our children. 
three boys who became worship leaders and played music and a daughter who runs a church that emphasizes worship, trying to steal our destiny. And through the proclamation, her spirit, her faith, speaking those words, wearing out that book hundreds if not thousands of times, proclaiming, I won't fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love of sound mind. Verse after verse after verse. Until the enemy is gone and the voices and the tormenting spirit go. The power of the proclaimed word. There's power in it for defensive reasons, but there's power for offense. There's power for your city, for your family, for your church, for your nation. There's power to defend against the enemy. And this, I, I'd like to tell you it was one anointed prayer of her husband. <laughs> Just, I'll take care of that, honey. <laughs> Can I get fries with that? But it wasn't. It was weeks, months, maybe even a year or two. Fighting in the Spirit. Proclaiming God's Word. His Word is powerful. His Word is true. We are powerful. We're not powerless. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.